Look at chapter 4 with me of Proverbs and verse number 17. Chapter 4, verse 17. And you'll quickly pick up on what we're going to be talking about. We'll start here in verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 17. And then we're going to go to chapter 20. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and they drink the wine of violence. Chapter 20, and verse number 1. And if you do not have this memorized, I'd encourage you to memorize it. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Or, the other way of saying it would be in the book of Proverbs, you're a fool. You're a fool. Now, Lord, I pray you'll bless this time in your word. Every time we enter into it, it's, it's important. And, Lord, as we talk about the subject tonight of alcohol, I pray that you'll open up our hearts and minds to it to see the sense that you have. Lord, you have created all things, and we thank you for that. But Lord, we know that there are times that man can step in and abuse, and I pray that you'll help us to uh, see the sense of your word this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, last uh, week I'm walking, out of a, uh, walking into a restaurant, and a former person that came to Northside was walking out with his buddies, and uh, they, they had, you know, several drinks, and you could smell it. And the first thing he looked at me, and you could see his face was white. So he's walking out and had drank quite a bit, and it's like he opens a door, and there's his old preacher. <laughs> and he's like, hi, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> kind of walked away. Uh, and I didn't say anything. It's like, how you doing? You know? Uh, why would there be embarrassment? Why would they show embarrassment? Right? If there's nothing wrong with it. Right? Isn't it amazing how the conscience reveals things? And sometimes the lack of a conscience shows boldness that goes beyond I don't even know what to say. For instance... Years ago, I got a phone call. A guy that was in a in a Sunday school class here, and he goes, "Can I say something to you?" I said, "Sure." And and I this guy was teaching, just kind of a fill in whatever. I don't know how he got the job, but he got the job as a teacher. And he goes, "You know, I'm leaving Walmart, and here's my Sunday school teacher with cases of beer stacked up in his cart." And he goes. You think that's okay? Do you, you think that was a good witness for him to be pulling out of Walmart with his beer cases literally stacked up? And he's a Sunday school teacher here. He's not anymore. Um, I uh, approached him. I said, what are you doing? So I said, what kind of a witness are you trying to show to your students and your teenage boys? And the list goes on. And his wife got on the phone afterwards. She goes, thank you so much. I've been hammering him for years to quit his drinking. He's diabetic. And he's drinking all this beer. And he's killing himself. And she goes, thank you for getting in his face about this. I said, you're welcome. (laughs) 
And so um, there is seemingly a real boldness, and, and it's it is kind of I don't know. It's it's all kind of weird to me. Whenever I got saved, one of the first things that I struggled with the most was the party scene because that's what I enjoyed because that's what I did as an unsaved kid for a lot of years. And and so it was it was a thing where I didn't want to give it up, but I found out it was easier to give up than I thought it was going to be uh, to give up. And it's because um, I decided to drink a time or two after I got saved. And it wasn't a pretty picture. <laughs> Man, it's like whack, whack, whack. It just hit me over the head left and right. Uh, I almost lost my job. And I almost lost my wife. Because my wife looked at me and she goes, you got to make a choice. Either you're going to be a drinker or you're going to be married to me. Well, she was tough. And by the way, I'm talking about Lori. The same one I'm married to if you didn't get that. Okay. Because I had just got saved two months before we got married. And she put the hammer down. She's like, wait a minute, buddy, you better make a choice here because I'm not going to be married to a drunk. And I don't want to know, find out you're in a bar. And I don't want to live that life of confusion because we've all seen what it does. And um, I know some people say, oh, preacher, I know you have to preach hard on this stuff and but but you have no idea the counseling that I've had to do is result of alcohol. Tons of it. And so, yeah, well, let's read some verses, huh? And memorize chapter 20, verse 1. Let me, let's, let's explain that one a little bit. Uh, we have wine uh, and a certain X amount of alcohol in that man-made, man-made, Sustenance, okay, okay, great. Yet, you know, there's a fermentation and it moves itself and is it goes it's, it's on purpose, okay. And then you have the strong drink, which is even a higher alcohol level. Um, I was talking to somebody and they said, "Well, I don't drink beer. I drink wine." Okay, I said, <laughs> I said, okay. Do you realize that wine per ounce? has more alcohol in it than beer does. Really? <laughs> yeah. So 12-ounce beer is about 4.5%. Wine is uh, about 3, 4, 4 ounces is more like 14%. Then you get into your liquors and it's 30%. Rum, 37 to 50%. Then you got whiskey, 40 to 50-something. Then strong whiskey is 75 to 90. And then it goes up. If you want to do what I did years ago and did some grain alcohol, it's like 190 proof to 200 that's the stuff that makes you go blind. I'm telling you, it's a wonder your preacher is alive. I'm not kidding you. Oh, try this. Sure. I mean, you can, you can run your car on this stuff. <laughs> and we, just, we choose to drink the, the stuff. Ah. Oh. Some of those decas aren't much better, are they? Yeah. So anyways... So God says that a person that drinks wine, the wine mocks you. Okay? It's actually, it's like, he almost um, makes it uh, uh, a human saying, look at you, you are so stupid. That's what wine does. And then strong drink begins to take something inside of you and enrages. And then anybody 
that is deceived thereby. The thought is, people think I can control it. And God's saying it's just the opposite. It controls you. You cannot control your alcohol. That's what my purpose was as a kid, is I would drink, and then I would drive, and I'd drive and drink, and we would get away with it. And we thought we were big because we could go coasting in. One, the, only time I, the one time I scared myself the most was I decided to drink and drive my motorcycle. And I don't remember coming home. And I remember thinking, how did you get here? I can't believe I'm alive. And that was the only time I ever did that. Um, it controls you. You don't control it. You say, how much does it take? Well, legally in the state of Indiana, you are a .08 limit. And you are drunk. You say, how much is that? That's about two beers. Depends on how much you weigh. Two and a half beers. If you get in your car and go, and they pulled you over right away, um, they would take your license. You're going to jail. Okay? That's not a lot. I don't know how, much, how many ounces of a wine that would be, but it would be less. Okay? It wouldn't be too many shots for those who do that. So um, if, if you have point fifteen, if you decide to go on a little binge and lose count of how much, you can actually be considered in the state of Indiana um, enhanced penalty. So that means you're done driving for a really long time. Okay. Look over with me to chapter 21. And verse 17. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Very seldom do you see an alcoholic that can handle his finances. Very seldom can you see a drunk that is capable of understanding how to handle money and they're, they're loaded. It usually doesn't happen. Matter of fact, a friend of mine, um, he's an alcoholic, uh, took him to rehabs constantly. He'd get in for two weeks. He'd call me up. Say, Carl, come pick me up. I'm better. I'm like, you're not better. They go, oh, I'm better. I'm, I'm healed. Okay, so they can't legally keep him. He put himself in to dry out. So I'd pick him up. He'd be white as, I mean, he was white as a shirt. I mean, he was white as could be. And I said, Jimmy, listen, I'm going to get you home. Don't, don't go drinking. You can stay at my house, whatever it's going to take. Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you can see he was starting to get angry. And uh, it wasn't until 2, 3 in the morning, he called me up. Hey, Carl, the Eagles landed. <laughs> the Army, they're out there. It's okay, I got them. He was a non-vet. And he's still living the war in his mind. And um, the eagle did land for him. He was given over $100,000 by our government because of the uh, uh, Asian Orange and, and some other things. So he was 100%. So he was already making big money per month. Plus, he was given that. How long do you think the $110,000 lasted? Six months. Six months, it was gone. You say, well, he bought a new house. No, he was in a, the same trailer he was renting. And uh, he did buy a football, 
there was a kickoff football for the Dallas Cowboy uh, Super Bowl. Supposedly it was legit. Paid $1,000 for a football. Uh, he did tithe. We bought a church van. And the last two things he had were a brand new sweeper that he gave to somebody and a leather coat that he didn't like. It didn't fit him right, so he gave that to me. And that was the end of it. And it was gone. We can't control this. This is a man-made, brewed, on purpose, bring it in, and uh, not a good thing. Ruins too many lives, people. Look at chapter 23. Right after he talks about the evil woman, he begins to get into verse 29. Who hath woe? Uh, what's a woe? It's like what you say to a horse, or what's what's a what's a woe? Okay, what's that? Trouble. That's a good way of putting it, right? Look out! It's about to smack you right between the eyes. In the Revelation, whoa, whoa, whoa! Because God is about to bring destruction on the earth. Okay. Now, who hath woe? That's a question. Next, who hath sorrow? Who hath contention? What's contention? Fighting, right? Struggles, interactions with people, okay? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without a cause? Now, ask yourself that question, okay? Uh, one guy I worked with, he, it, it, he, 6 o'clock when he started work, he had beer in his breath. 9 o'clock, he'd run home, grab a beer or two, suck them down as quick as he could, come back to work till 12 o'clock, go home, suck as many beers down as he could, and then he'd be back work at 12.40, and then as soon as he's off work, he's at the bar until late. And oftentimes, he would come in black and blue. It's like, what happened? I don't know. All I remember is I woke up at the bottom of the steps, and didn't remember falling down. Knocked himself out. Remember, at the one time, he was yelling at me about something. He did fear God. He really did. Uh, he talked to me about the Lord. He talked about how he read the Bible, Revelation, and so forth. He asked me questions about prophecy. And uh, but the one time, man, he was hammering me, yelling at me. He was just cussing me out. And that night, he, same routine. And he came to me the next morning. And it's, as soon as I got there, he came up to me. He goes, I'm sorry. He goes... Um, I'm all busted up inside. I fell down again, and his face black and blue. And he goes, I believe God did this to me because of how I treated you yesterday at work. <laughs> Isn't that something? You got a drunk apologizing to you because he cussed you out and yelled at you because he knew I was a Christian and preparing for ministry. And do you think that changed him, though? Nope. How many wives do you think he had? You follow me? There's a routine. Do we see this routine of life? Some of you young girls here. How about this for your dream husband? You never know what he's going to come home from the bar drunk. You don't know how he's going to treat you. He might beat you up, beat the kids up. Is that your dream hubby? Is that what you're looking for? Okay? They might be macho and cool and you think they're real strong and do this and that. Trust me. Uh, I've, I've counseled too many women 
who were battered by their drunk husbands. Kids were beat up, cracked ribs. Uh, who has redness of the eyes? 30 says, They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. So we got the mixed drinks involved. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Um, fermentations are taking place here, and this is the process of alcohol and how it allures people in, and God says, stay away from it, don't even look at it. At the last, it bites like a serpent, symbolic of Satan, stings like an otter. Your eyes shall behold strange women. Okay? A man, now we're dealing with men here. Um, men that go to bars, are, and they might say they're just going to be with the buddies. Okay? And maybe you got one that does that. Okay? But the other 99.9999% of the men that are there are not there to be loyal to their wives as they're getting drunk and they're whistling and they're going after the girls and that's, that's the scene. Also, the heart shall utter perverse things. So now comes the foul language, here comes the dirt coming out of the mouth. Whatever they are thinking, they start saying it, and you can't get them to stop. They're babbling, they're going on and on and on, they're rambling. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or he that lieth upon the top of the mast. And those who have been drunk, you know exactly what he is talking about here. You lay in your bed, and the whole room is going, woo, woo, woo. You wonder when it's going to stop, and it stops after you puke your guts out a few times. So much fun. They've stricken me, they say. It's like, who hit me? And I wasn't even sick. They've beaten me. I didn't even feel it because they're numb. Okay, the alcohol gets in the system, and it and it just shuts down the system. Um, your reaction time, it's, it's like you have taken something that is uh, like the downer that, 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 that begins to numb the pain. Okay? And that's what happens when the alcohol is in there. And I'll talk about the end. Um, and I felt it not, when shall I awake? The question is, who knows when the drunk will wake up in their own vomit? Am I being graphic enough here tonight? Okay. And then the fool says... Let's do it again. That's exactly what he says. Let's, let's, let's go do it again. This was so much fun. And I will seek it yet again. Um, let's go over to chapter 31. Because we're going to get it all done tonight. Uh, verse 4 it's not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Uh, we have heard the mockery of those who are uh, our pilots taking hundreds of people up on flight, and they're drunk. 
and you would stop and say, how would a person that is in such responsibility for the lives of others allow themselves to be intoxicated or on drugs and they're about ready to fly a plane and they don't even care if they, if what's going to happen? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We're dealing with the lost, I hope. Um, we're dealing with people that are living for themselves as I did. I never thought that I could kill a woman pregnant with a child because of being drunk. That never went in my mind because I'm invincible. I can handle it. And yet I almost did that. My brother yelled as I was slamming on the brake just in time not to hit a pregnant woman. And guess what I did? I got drunk and drove that way again. This is foolishness, people. I hate to be revealing to you your preacher is a is a sixteen year old. I started drinking at fourteen, you know? And drugs and acid and everything else, all the heavy stuff at fifteen. And you're just invincible. And uh you have no discernment. Zero. Is there a purpose for alcohol? You say, well, according to everything you've read, man, no. Well, back in the day, um, they didn't have the medications that we have this day and age to numb or to help people as they're dying. Give strong drink, verse 6, to them that are ready to perish. In other words, medicinal reasons you will see in the Scriptures. Um, this surgery that I had, folks, it, it, I'll admit, there was a lot of pain to do with this. And yeah, I, I laugh about some of the medications that I was on, but about third, fourth day, um, I woke up 9 o'clock, I'm like, ah, it feels pretty good, you know, look what I can do. And I went 12 hours without taking any of my medicine until 10 o'clock at night. And then I took every pill I was allowed. <laughs> and I walked and pranced the floor for over four hours because I was in so much pain, I couldn't get relief. Okay? Medicinal reasons. Okay? I wasn't, you know, stumbling and falling. Trust me, I was able to walk and I was coherent, but... Um, buddy, there is a purpose for the stuff. And um, wine unto those that are of a heavy heart, and drink and forget the poverty, remember misery no more, open your mouth, and it goes, and it goes on. Um, uh, so you do see the medicinal reasons. matter of fact, over in First Timothy, those who take notes, you'll probably remember, uh, those who know the Scripture well know about these places, um, to the pastor... Why you're going to you're going to chapter five in First Timothy. In chapter three he talks to the pastors and the deacons and they're not to be given uh to wine and literally not to be intoxicated. You know, they're not to be people that drink all day. You know? Just how it is, you know. I don't know. Before you, could would it be weird if I said, "Hey, come on over to my house. I got a six pack. Let's have sit down and have a beer together." 
Would you think that was weird to have a beer with your preacher? Would you think that's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It just doesn't go together. It's just kind of twisted, you know. But I got a guy come up and he goes, yeah, I had plenty of beers with my preacher, you know, former pastor. He's here in this church and he knows I won't have a beer with him or a glass of wine with him. And uh, he says, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, but chapter 5, though, we're back on the medicinal reasons. Verse number 23, 1 Timothy 5, 23. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine oft infirmities. Um, what I am taught historically is some of the countries even back then, um, if they were to drink the water, as you would, as you go to Mexico or you go to Haiti, uh, some of these places they would say, don't drink the water. Well, guess what they didn't have back then? They didn't have pop machines. Okay? They didn't have bottled water. They didn't have that. So they would take the alcohol and they would pour it in, mingle it in with the water to purify the water so you could drink it and it keep your belly from getting sick and running. Okay? And so that was the purpose. And there were times for medicinal reasons it would be there. And don't throw anything at me, but I'm in Haiti one of the first times I'm there. Nobody warned you about this stuff. You know, we're just thrown in this situation. All that they're hammering is, don't drink water, okay? You don't drink anything that they give you unless it has a cap on it. You know, don't eat fruit unless it has a heavy, you know, uh, uh, some, uh, skin around it. You know, they go through all this stuff, and you're scared to death. You're going to get sick the whole time. So we're there, and, and we're thinking, okay, we're going to have communion in Haiti. And I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder what they're making the juice out of. And I'm thinking, oh, no, it's probably going to be Kool-Aid. And I'm going to drink drinking this Kool-Aid, and I'm going to be sick. And, of course, this wee little thing this big, and when they lifted the tarp, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the cloth off, uh, Big John, who was sitting beside me, we kind of went, we smelled that, and we're like, not Kool-Aid. <laughs> it's not Kool-Aid. And so you say, did you drink it? I absolutely did, and so did Big John. And um, we were there in that country, and I'm glad it was that and not Kool-Aid, because if it was Kool-Aid, I would have had a really bad week. Um, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite in front of you either. Uh, but do I go to Olive Garden and do it? No, I don't social drink. Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, hey, we're doing okay, aren't we? Let's look at some other scriptures. Look at Isaiah with me. I'm not looking up very much because I'm not going to look to see who's walking out on me. I'm going to judge it. Uh, chapter Isaiah five eleven. Isaiah five eleven. Woe, another woe. Woe unto them that run. I'll wait till you're there. That's so rude. I'm sorry. Isaiah five eleven. There's all kinds of woes in this text. You can look them up later on. It's like quite a few times. Eleven, eighteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. Probably more, but that's that'll give you a big picture. Verse eleven. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink that continue until night, until wine inflame them. So, again, don't 
do the drinking. Verse 22, Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strong uh, strength to mingle strong drink. So the prophets talk about the exact same thing. Um, look back with me to um, Habakkuk. Um, well, let's, let's, let me bypass that. Let's, let's go to Ephesians. Look at, look at the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5. And I'll go ahead and quote that one for you because I do have to save a little time. Uh, Habakkuk is where it says, uh, Woe to him that giveth his neighbor strong drink. So what he's talking about there is when you, when you actually are intoxicated and giving somebody else for them to, to get intoxicated, he says, uh, Woe to you. I guess all the bartenders ought to read that one. Okay, verse 18. If you don't have this one memorized, you might want to memorize this one. Ephesians 5, 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. In other words, in wine has the ability to have excess to go to the debauchery that you're going to do, the things you're going you're gonna to say the wrong things, the eyes are going to look the wrong way, and so forth. Don't be drunk with wine because there's excess in it, but instead be filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Let's get positive for a couple of minutes. What, what does it mean to be... Con- okay, so there's a controlling by the Spirit of God, right? So remember I taught you how the, the person that takes alcohol into the body is controlled by the alcohol, okay? And, and it doesn't take very much. It begins to affect you, okay? Um, by the way, they have done studies after just one beer. They did a study before it, and they did a study after just one beer, and they could see that the reaction time was less because it does affect you immediately, okay? And so as soon as it comes in, it begins to control. It controls your reaction time, which has to do with the mind, to the, to the hands, the feet, Okay? Um, it will control your speech because you'll tell when somebody's drunk because they are slurred in their speech. And remember how it says their eyes are going to be looking the wrong ways? So it affects that in the mind. Everything is controlled. So the mind, the eyes, the reactions, everything is controlled from that. So God says, how about this? Instead of being intoxicated, how be we be filled with the Spirit instead? Which is free. And it doesn't hurt you. It's not going to give you problems physical. And you can still drive and be filled with the Spirit. Even machinery. Okay? So, so God says if we are filled with the Spirit, guess what it's going to do? It's going to control how we speak. He will control how our eyes are going. He, and convicts us. He controls our actions and our reactions in life. So if we are not filled with the Spirit, our actions and reactions in life are wrong. If we're filled with the Spirit, in other words, we're going to do it in the flesh if we're not controlled by the Spirit as Christians. So be controlled by the Spirit of God. And, and uh, so that, that's, that's, that's the key. Um, uh, Beer has, in a 12-ounce glass, glass about 4.5% alcohol. Wine, in a 3.4-ounce, has about 14% alcohol. goes from 4.5% to 14% with wine. 
Okay? Then you get into liquors and you're dealing with 30%. And that goes right up to the high end, you know, the 120 and, and, and on up proofs um, as, they would, as they would do it. And if we will be controlled 100% by the Spirit of God, just think, if we had 100 proof of the Spirit of God, think how God will be able to use you and I. My issue, and I, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you, you know, just in case you were wondering what the preacher really thought. Um, I still have a problem. You know, I was at I was at Olive Garden with I don't know who I was with. I don't know if it was with Stan or Lori or I forget who I was with, but I was there, and these couple, you know, two couples were in the booth right right next to us, and um, they're talking to the person about the drinks, and they were having a great old time and talking about how they how much they drink and how much they love, you know, and everything. And you know, I'm like, yep. Yeah. You know, typical, they're having a great time, big tall glasses of wine. And, and after they left, they said, let's pray. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just have a hard time with this. But this is now the new acceptable. And I don't know. It's kind of weird to me. Because that's what God convicted me about. And because I knew how it was ruining my life and how many times I almost got killed and how many people I almost killed. I, and and it, you just say, well, one glass isn't going to intoxicate me. And I just, okay. But I don't know, it's still kind of weird to, to give them a track to come to church. I don't know, it's just kind of weird to me. I don't know how the world, maybe the world was like, finally, you Christians woke up. You know, now we can get drunk and drink or whatever it is, and we can go to church and love Jesus. And I don't know, it's kind of weird to me, because there's so many verses that talks about the intoxication and the drinking, and stay away from it, don't be a fool, don't go after it. And um, I don't know, it's just it's just kind of weird to me. And I And I think that, number one, I think we lose our testimony. I th- I think that you'd go further if you spent, you know, the money on something a whole lot wiser. You say, "Well, I make my own." Okay. <laughs> okay, you got me there. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just to me, it's kind of hard. And and if you're you know teaching a wine or teaching children, and then they see you drinking, are you telling the kids it's okay? I think the witness I think the witness is uh, poor to say the least, and I and I think it's 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 a hurtful thing. I've uh, one moment. Uh, I think that you know I've expressed um, to my men, the deacons in particular. You know I just I ask them you know not to, and I realize in some cultures um, it is a very normal thing to to drink at meals and so forth. And I know in some countries the uh, alcoholism is less because they drink 
most of their life, and I've heard those debates, and I understand that. Um, but I still think, as, as I see, as much as I see in the Scriptures, that it's a bad thing. Noah, in Genesis chapter number 9, decided to take and to drink. This is after he gets off the boat. And lewdness with one of his sons takes place. Lot, his two daughters, intoxicate him. And their excuse was so that they can have children. I guess they thought they were going to be on the mountain forever. And I don't know how they were going to start a nation on top of the mountain. But they said, hey, we we need to get pregnant, so let's get daddy drunk. And the intoxication takes place. Here's my challenge to you. Look in the Bible and see one positive place alcohol is mentioned. I, I ask you to search for it where alcohol, people getting drunk, is a positive thing. And you show me that one. And where something negative doesn't happen afterward is a result. And... Um, I'll eat my words. <laughs> but everywhere I see, it's just negative, negative, negative. And that's why in my counseling, my wife's counseling, and I had this one gal, she's like, what do I do? My husband keeps coming home. He yells at the kids. They're getting older. They understand now. And he doesn't. he's not always drunk when he comes home, but he's had his beer, and he's, he's always angry. He comes home and he hits me. He smacks me in the face. And I'm like, pray. You know? Well, she called me a couple months later. You see these little things, these little pixie things. She's 110 pounds wet. She goes, uh, husband come home. He raised his hand. And I punched him in the face as hard as I possibly could. I just punched him right in the face. And he went, and she said, it hurts, doesn't it? And he quit beating her. You say, are you endorsing that? Sure. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, it's, it's against the law to beat your wife. If you didn't know that, call the police if you can't take them. <laughs> okay? Call the police. It's against the law. If you didn't know that, matter of fact, you probably know in what bar he's in, call the police saying he'll be coming home drunk to beat me again, arrest him, pull him over before he gets home. Put him in jail. You say you should never have him put in jail. He's your husband. Do it. Put him in jail. That'll wake him up, sober him up for a few days. You say we could lose everything. You are losing everything. Yes, ma'am. That's right. No hangover. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can line up 20 preachers here, and you'll get about 20 different answers when it comes to John, you know, and, and the first miracle of Jesus making the water uh, into wine. Okay, here's, here's my analogy of it. You can disagree with me because there would be 20 preachers that would disagree with me, okay? Um, but here's my idea. Okay, is this the first, if, if this was all alcohol that they were drinking for the whole wedding, they drank all of these gallons upon gallons upon gallons of alcohol, okay? So they've already drank a bunch to the point they drank it dry. And now Jesus fills the pitchers back up. So we're going to drink now a whole bunch more alcohol after Jesus made alcohol, according to a lot of people. What you have read about what God has said about, about uh, intoxication, do you really think Jesus is okay with getting people drunk? I do not believe that Jesus made alcohol for the people to drink at the wedding. Now, I don't know that it was necessarily alcohol in the first place. I don't know that. But I would be guessing that Christ will be making some of the most wonderful juice made of the grape of the vine. I don't know if it was as good as Welch's. But, but that's how I look at it. Is that, that would not have been an alcohol. Or it would be hard for God to say, don't be drunk when he just enabled that to take place. Now, let me, one other thing. Because people will say, well, I know Jewish people, and they drink all the time. Well, that justifies it. <laughs> uh, are you going to follow the Jew in the Old Testament? Look what else they did. And look at the times when they were drunk. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's, a, that's, that's a good one. Let me get some others, Bessie. Anybody else have any questions or comments? Yes, ma'am. Oh yes, absolutely. They 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 look at it as don't go overboard with it. In other words, drink but not to the point where you're drunk. In excess. That's and that's what I realize a lot of Christians will say, I do not drink in excess. I drink a wine, it calms me down, it enables me to sleep, I feel better, I use it for that purpose just to to relax. And that's what I've had a lot of Christians say to me and I just go like this, okay. I, I don't say anything to them you know, because they're saying I'm not drunk, drunk. I just drink a glass of wine, and I, I don't get into the whole thing because most times I, I don't want to. I'm not going to go there. But but to to for this message to show you, it's really hard for me to justify sitting and doing that. That's just me. Other, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, there's, yeah, absolutely. That's right. Anything there can be, and that's the other philosophy of having a glass of wine or one beer or whatever is, I'm not going overboard with it. This is, I have a TV and I don't go overboard. I got a computer and I don't go overboard. I, you know, and, and the list goes on. Anything has it. So the pure, all things are pure. You know, verses like that that, that people will use. David?
Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's the the tie together of I'm over time. Fruit of the Spirit, um, you'll see that the last thing is a temperance or a self-control. And there needs to be an ability for Christians to realize what is control and what's not uh, in control. But guess what? i got two minutes to let you guys out. Okay? So I, I keep forgetting it's a wanna now, so we can't go on and on. Thank you. <laughs> turn, you can turn that around. I told her to remind me of this announcement. D2, tomorrow night, okay? Because I've got to get it in the bulletin. So those who are involved with D2, it does start tomorrow night, 6.30 to 8 o'clock, okay? Alrighty. Okay. PCNBC underscore one at msn.com. If you want to send me notes of encouragement, you're welcome to do that. (laughs) Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for this fireside chat that we've had tonight. And help us to, to think about you and what we do. Help us as we teach the little children, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And uh, we're to be careful what we do. And help us, Lord, to uh, be a good example, to be Christ-like. And thank you for what you'll do. Uh, bless this time of prayer. Thank you for Awana, what's going on there. And use it to, to just work in the hearts of the kids. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.